incredibly familiar with North Carolina. Oh, uh, North Carolina. Curtisville, Salisbury, you know what I'm saying? Burlington. I, 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 I didn't bring you Raleigh, Greensboro, Charlotte. Welcome to Election Profit Makers. My name is Kid Midas Manifestation. Using ancient secrets from foreign lands to manifest wealth, power, and fame, just like the old-timey kings and pharaohs that populated those lands. I'm joined on the line by a common earthman. He makes his home in the dirt and works with his hands. His name is none other than John Long John Silver. Hi, hey. John. I can see you from the top of my pyramid, John. Hello down there. Can you see me down at the bottom? I can only see half of you right now. Bring up the more bricks and stones so that my pyramid may grow in height and stature. You know the pyramids were the tallest thing on earth for like a thousand years? Yeah. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Were you ever into ancient aliens, John? Have we ever talked about ancient aliens? Oh my God. Chariots of the gods? Love ancient aliens. Really? Who's your favorite yeah. ancient alien? Who is oh there's there's Zagwar uh, from Darko Six? Y- y- yeah. I didn't know I can't I can't remember any of the names, but I love all the theories. You know? That stuff you that's on the history channel. Yeah, the history channel is um <laughs> let's just say I hope the history channel isn't planning a thesis defense anytime soon at the history department. They might not actually ass and get their doctorate in history. <laughs> the History Channel yeah. seems to be channeling the uh, Wacky Theory Channel. <laughs> yeah. How long until the History Channel goes full QAnon? Uh, and is like, has a, has a two-hour special called Secrets of Comet Pizza. Oh, and they get these, talk, get these talking heads in front of green screens like, yeah. there's a long history of of uh, basement pedophile rings in pizza parlors, it turns out. So Comet Pizza was just part of this long historical trend. It's just done. It's produced so well that when you're a kid watching that, you're like, this wouldn't be on TV if it wasn't. If it wasn't true and if it wasn't good. Yeah. That's the first law of television. It's got to be good. If this wasn't true and good, it would not be on television. Right. That's it. AKA the quality box. Yeah. You know, we can talk about ancient aliens for a, li- for a little while longer. Okay. I think that was basically racism. They're like, there's no way these old timey Egyptians could build pyramids on their own. They're too dumb. There's no way. Yeah. White people were so jealous. They were like, the Martians did it. No, I think you're right. It's the same way with conspiracy theorists about, you know, 9 11. They're just like, these guys couldn't have pulled this off. Only our own government could have pulled it off and kept it totally secret. They lacked the tactical wherewithal. Yeah. Only white Westerners can do stuff like this. That's right. Yeah, that was true. Uh, Happy Columbus Day, by the way, speaking of white Westerners. Oh, is there no mail today because of our love for Christopher Columbus, the great explorer? truly happy Indigenous Peoples Day. You know, I'm heading down to the Outer Banks as soon as this podcast is over, speaking of uh, the birthplace of a nation, the nation. That's what Dare County claims to be because that's where the first English – colony, failed colony, the lost colony, landed on Roanoke Island in 1585. I will be there. You will be there today? I will be there today. What are you going to do? You know what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to, I've only been to the Outer Banks a few times in my life. They're really long. Explain to our listeners what the Outer Banks are. So the Outer Banks are uh, barrier islands off of the state of North Carolina, and they jut way out into the Atlantic. They're just extremely narrow, and they are connected via these really long bridges and uh, ferries and things of that nature. It's just very difficult to get to. But I'm gonna. I want to go to the uh, the Wright Brothers Memorial first in flight. That was the true birthplace of aviation. Because what did the Wright Brothers do on the Outer Banks, John? They they flew the first heavier than air machine powered aircraft on December seventeenth, nineteen o three at Kill Devil Hill. Incredibly familiar with North Carolina. Yeah, Kill Devil Hills. That's where the Wright Brothers flew, not at Kitty Hawk. Kitty Hawk was nearby. It was north, and that's what was on the telegram that they sent 
Um, so it erroneously got reported that it occurred at Kitty Hawk, but it did not. There you go. A little bit of history. Yeah. Well, have fun in the Outer Banks, John. Let's get this podcast over with so that you, All can, right. that you can leave and drive there. Okay. Let's get to um, the main bulk of our podcast. Yeah. Did aliens build those huge um, Peruvian designs that can only be seen from the sky? Yes or no? No. Okay. Moving on. They were grain silos, though. Oh, right. That's what Dr. Ben Carson said about the pyramids, right? That's right. Yeah. Hey, can we talk a little bit about what's going on in Georgia at the moment? Oh, yeah. Did something happen? Yeah. As soon as we uh, recorded last week that uh, a huge story dropped in Georgia that Herschel Walker, who already has previously accused of fathering three children and holding a gun and knife to his ex-wife's throat and threatening to kill his family and all that. It came out that he had paid for an abortion. And then later on, it came out that he he asked to, the same woman to pay for a second abortion, which she did not. But in this case, the story they dropped was the receipts, the actual check. The literal receipts. Yeah, the literal receipts. So, And then he's come out and denied it and continued to lie about it. Uh, this is relevant because Herschel Walker is positioning himself as anti-abortion, even in cases of rape and incest, just all the way anti-abortion. That's right. So I think it's I think it's a big deal. I know people are not saying that these scandals matter anymore. I'm not certain that having these three sons with these other women that nobody knew about is as big a deal as having gone out and paid for these abortions and asked for these abortions, especially after he had apparently been saved. So saved as a, as a Christian, you mean born again? Yeah. Well, John, you know, people were saying it's very clarifying that this Republican candidate who seems, shall we say, supremely unqualified to be as a U.S. Senator because he is (laughs) literally a brain damaged sociopath. Um, uh, that it was very clarifying that people were still going to support him in spite of paying for these abortions in direct, in direct uh, contradiction of his uh, professed um, moral stance on the issue. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, "Good, like let's get, let's be done with like." Of course, of course, Republicans will still vote for him. Of course, evangelicals will still vote for him. Like he's he's not running to be their pastor. He's running right. just to vote on bills that are put forward by the GOP. And everybody knows he's not going to be like a authoring multiple unique pieces of legislation on his own initiative. He's just a body with a hand that's going to vote when he's supposed to vote, right? That's right. And I thought, well, this is good. Let's be done with all this stuff because the hypocrisy charges are just so tired and they never – like, you know, like, well – it. Well, Mitch McConnell is a hypocrite because he said that he supports the institutionalism and yet he voted to checkmate. (laughs) Come on, man. What are you, an ancient alien building a pyramid? It's just raw power and that's fine. Exactly. So this is good. Let's 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 be done with this. Let Herschel Walker be the be the straw that breaks the camel's back. The camel that should be carrying stones up the side of this pyramid, except they couldn't figure out how to do it. So they had to get a UFO to do it. Mm hmm. Let Herschel Walker be the one where it's like, yeah, finally, let's all just admit this is all about power. You couldn't imagine, you would be scandalized, John, to know at this point in history how odious a Democratic candidate could be, and I would still absolutely vote for him or her just to get the laws passed that I wanted to be passed, just to get the judges seated that I wanted to be seated. I think there was actually a time when I was thinking like, yeah, Al Franken probably should resign. Boy, let him come back again with those photographs. I'd be like, no way are you resigning. You stay there and you do a good job. You do what we say. I'm with you when it comes to the Senate, when it comes to Congress, uh, when it comes to uh, an odious presidential candidate, perhaps it would be different. There's no way I could vote for Donald Trump if I were a Republican. Well, that's slightly different because those are executive positions. I agree yeah. that the individual, yeah. for some reason, and I, I don't know if it's just symbolism that doesn't mean anything or what, but yeah, I, I do have a natural hesitation to be like, 
well, yeah, but a president or a governor or a mayor, that's different because that office really is about the individual. That's not the case in the Senate. If you're a senator or- Okay, so so you're saying that this doesn't matter. You're saying it's not going to matter with anybody. They're all still going to go ahead and vote for him. Well, you know what? That's what I thought, John, until I went to predict it. This yeah. actually really moved the market. Big time. Which party will win the 2022 U.S. Senate election in Georgia? There was a real collapse in the Herschel Walker shares. Yeah, Warnock went from 52 cents to, I think he's at 68 today. That is a huge move. It wasn't overnight, but it was just gradual as the the um, the week went on. And, you know, the the... Nerds over at 538 ha- say that they've done research that says that in general, historically, scandals will have a shift of eight or nine points in a race. Is it really that uh, much even now? That's historically. But today, it's probably half that. And in a place like Georgia, which is one of the most inelastic states in the nation, it's actually second. Uh, it would be third if you counted Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is the most inelastic. Um, then it may be even less than that. But I mean, two points, three points, that's a lot. That's a lot in a close race. Well, they have their one debate this coming Friday, Warnock versus Walker. And It'll be um, interesting to see how that plays out and whether Herschel Walker shows up and how hard Warnock goes after him for uh, the abortion stuff. Yeah. Are you in the Georgia market? Should I sell? I mean, I'm way I up I want to sell because I'm way up. I want to maybe take some profits, but... Why don't we jump out and jump back in later when, when it... I don't mm. think that debate's going to go well for Walker. Oh, you don't think you don't think he's um no. A, <laughs> yeah, whatever. No, I don't think it's, it's going to go well. It's ama- uh, it's you- depressing and amazing that that guy is the candidate. Yeah. Can I just read one amazing quote about Herschel Walker from none other than Newt Gingrich who we'll be talking about later in the episode. Newt Gingrich okay. went on Fox News after the abortion stuff broke. Okay. He said this. This is Newt Gingrich, a famous uh a famous moral avatar speaking about his close personal friend Herschel Walker. I think he's the most important Senate candidate in the country because he'll do more to change the Senate just by the sheer presence, by his confidence, by his deep commitment to Christ, by the degree to which he has, you know, he's been through a long, tough period. He had a lot of concussions coming out of football. He suffered PTSD. (laughs) Okay, Newt. Oh, man, it was like he was building it up. He was building it up and he was like, mm, we all know what's going on with this brain damaged individual. <laughs> there was no coming back after deep commitment to Christ. <laughs> there were a lot of debates this week. You you had a North Carolina Senate debate. That was on Friday. That was their one debate. Sherry Beasley, Democratic candidate for senator in North Carolina versus Ted Budd, Republican candidate. That aired on Friday night. I watched some of it. It was depressing. Beasley is not a a um, natural politician. She's a nerdy judge, a dorky judge. That's why. That's yeah. why I like her. Um, and I thought Bud was getting the better. I mean, because Bud has the easier position, which is just to keep talking about immigrants and crime and and drugs, drugs, drugs. Right? Do you right. support legalizing marijuana? Like. Uh, Joe Biden is proposing to, you know, pardon all federal marijuana. Oh, that happened last week, too. Um, do you support President Biden um, pardoning all federal charges against people for possession of marijuana? Ted Budd's like, no, because fentanyl is coming across the border and uh, killing millions of people a day. We need to build a wall. That's always going to be the easier position. And then Sherry Beasley is like, well, actually, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and by the way, Ted Budd, Ted Budd's family's company runs a ran a business that got fined by blah, blah, blah. Like, no one, Sherry Beasley, no one cares about Ted Budd's family business hiring people or getting sued and stuff. I just don't think that's going to stick, you know? Yeah. So I was like, oh, she got clobbered. But then I went on a couple different message boards about North Carolina politics, and people were like, yeah, it was a wash. Whatever. It's not going to change anything. So that made me a little relieved. Yeah. Now, Friday night, you didn't watch the debate because you were doing something in a basketball stadium. Is that right? Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. What were you doing? Were you participating in a slam dunk contest? No, I went to go see the Tar Heels opening live action to see the uh, preseason number one ranked Tar Heels play. Who were they playing? Ancient Aliens? No. They play. Yeah, they play each other. It's just like a scrimmage. It's a blue and white game. Yeah, the blue and white game. Yeah. Okay. Were there a lot of people there? Yeah, I'd say there was like 10,000 people there. How many people can fit in that stadium, the Dean Dome? 22,000. Do you want to hear a story about David Bowie and the Dean Dome? And the Dean Dome? I thought you were going to tell the story about him and Oberlin. No, I'll tell that. Well, you know what? Let me tell the Oberlin story first, because it's been very much on my mind recently, because there's a new documentary about David Bowie. And then I'll tell the story about David Bowie and the Dean Dome. And maybe you'll find one or both of these stories interesting. Here we go. Years and years ago, I was a student at a prestigious liberal arts college in Ohio called Oberlin College. Our motto, learning and labor. Our alumni includes such thought leaders as Lena Dunham and Ed Helms and the guy who makes high maintenance, whose name I can never remember, even though I like that TV show. Anyway, the Pixies, famous indie rock band, came to play Oberlin College and they played in the gymnasium. So I guess the Pixies weren't super huge yet, but they were big among liberal arts students. So we all went into the gymnasium to watch the Pixies play. And they weren't the gymnasium wasn't even like full, I don't remember. And then at some point during the show, a rumor swept through the gymnasium. Guess who's here? Guess who's here? David Bowie is here watching the concert. David Bowie, that can't be true. The world Ziggy Stardust himself? Why would David Bowie come to a prestigious liberal arts college in Ohio unless he wanted to get a well-rounded education or perhaps study at the conservatory, which is also world-renowned? Sure enough, I went back to check and leaning against the back wall of the gymnasium, smoking a cigarette in direct violation of campus anti-smoking policy in the gymnasium was the thin white duke, David Bowie. I remember him wearing a long trench coat, but maybe that's just because of the videos that he was in in the era. He was always wearing long trench coats. Yeah. And I learned years later that my friend Carrie was like, you know what? It's now or never. When is this ever going to happen again? And she went up to him and asked to bum a cigarette. And David Bowie gave her a cigarette. And she stood there smoking a cigarette with David Bowie. Oh, was she happy? Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. She must have been so psyched. So that's my David Bowie Oberlin story, which I told last night at a dinner party. And then my friend countered with a David Bowie. What dinner party did you go to last night? I went to a dinner party at Phil's house. You know, you know, Phil. Day, and then Phil Apparently countered, not well enough to get invited to his dinner party. Phil countered with a David Bowie story of his own. Years ago, Phil worked for a famous movie director. The famous movie director had forgotten his bag inside the Brill building. So Phil had to run and go get this famous director's bag back. Right. He took the elevator up to the floor. And when he got off the floor, he was told, you have to wait here because David Bowie is re-recording dialogue for a movie in the room that you need to get into. It's called ADR, and I can never remember what it stands for. But it's like if the set or location was too noisy or they changed the dialogue or something, you have to go in afterwards and record the dialogue, right? So Phil waits outside, and then the doors open, and David Bowie comes out accompanied by Martin Scorsese. David Bowie was re-recording his lines for a movie called Last Temptation of Christ, which is about Jesus, and uh, was somewhat controversial at the time. Yeah. So Phil runs in to get the bag and then walks back out and gets on a tiny, tiny elevator. And then David Bowie also gets on the elevator with a woman who was, I guess, a musician in his band. The three of them are on this tiny elevator. Martin Scorsese is not on the elevator. He probably has more actors that he needs to direct in this ADR session. So Phil takes the elevator down with David Bowie and this other person. And Phil says to him, because Phil's from North Carolina, he says, hey, I saw you like two weeks ago on the Glass Spider Tour in Chapel Hill, North Carolina at the Dean Dome. And Debbie Bowie's like, oh, that's great. That means you also saw such and such and gestures to his female companion, who I guess was like a backup singer or something, just being gracious to include her in the conversation. Right. Right. Phil's like, yeah, yeah, it was a great show, blah, 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 blah. Elevator door is open. Phil gets off the elevator and walks to the, the front entrance of the building to leave. And he's ahead of David Bowie and David Bowie's companion. And then Phil makes that calculation like, are they far enough behind that it would be weird if I held the door open for them? Or should I just go through and let the door slam shut behind me while they think that's rude? You know what I mean? Yeah. And Phil's a gracious guy, raised in Winston-Salem. So he's like, I'll hold the door. So he leaves the building and then holds the door open, you know, and turns to the guys to see where they're coming. And then David Bowie does the classic thing. And this is how you know David Bowie's a mensch. He does a little shuffle, pick up the pace, 
to get to the door so you don't have to hold it for too long. Isn't that so yeah. charming? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. Two stories about David Bowie, the famous everyman, the most normal dude who ever lived. That was great. <laughs> I'm glad you liked that. I heard some other yeah. great stories last night, too. Yeah. Heard a story about Yola Tango meeting the guy who cut off his own arm when he got stuck under a rock. Oh. The guy from 127 Hours. Good stuff. Good stuff. Why were we talking about David Bowie? What were we talking about? The Sherry Beasley debate? Did I say that she wasn't quite as sure of herself on stage as David Bowie we was? We were talking about the Bowie Bay Sox, maybe? No, we were talking about you going to the Dean Dome on Friday night instead of watching the Sherry Beasley debate. You went to the Dean Dome, and we were talking about Dean Dome memories, the Dean Dome. Yeah, I saw Bon Jovi at the Dean Dome, and they- uh... And your parents went and saw Whitney, Whitney Houston at the Dean Dome. Did they? I yeah. don't know. I always thought that was very sexy. Remember the first years of the Dean Dome when it- it was like, I remember Lionel Richie came. He had three shows at the Dean Dome. People were so... He, that was the, he was the first musical act to play the Dean Dome. Yeah. And so like the t-shirts, you know, it was like New York, Seattle, Atlanta, Tampa, Chapel Hill, Chapel Hill, Chapel Hill. <laughs> oh, I would love to Dallas. get that. <laughs> I mean, it was like, we were just, stu- we, we wanted it so bad. That's an amazing shirt. I wonder how much that costs now. $500. Yeah, I think we went that. to the concert. Yeah, I think so. I think I wrote about it in my... Oh, I used to be such a little insufferable prick. I wrote about it in my journal how mad I was that he talked about that he wasn't more political. <laughs> I got to find this journal entry. Oh, my God. It's something like, Lionel Richie totally sucks. Well, first of all, I think we went ironically. I think we went to kind of laugh at it, which also is just like a classic young person douche move. That's probably what we said, but I was I was there just to see it. Spend like six months allowance just to go to something to laugh at it. Yeah. But then in my journal afterwards, I was like, Lionel Richie is so lame. He came out and gave this speech about donating to the starving children of Africa. But then he sits at his piano and just plays another banal love song. Why doesn't he write songs about the politics of just like, shut up. You dumb eighth grader, however old I was. Yeah. Oh, Lionel Richie. Oh man. Yeah. But he was the best. Now, now I'm at. Now I'm so old that I can admit, like some of those Lionel Richie albums are fucking flawless. Yeah. Stuck on you. Stuck on you. And got a feeling way down in my soul that I just can't lose. Guess I'm on my way. Mighty glad you stayed. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Senate races that aren't North Carolina, Ohio, or Pennsylvania. We spent so many, so much time every week talking about those three states. Let's look at some of these other Senate races. Utah, Arizona, Florida, Wisconsin. What in the world is going on? I think Republicans favored to win every single one of these damn things. Let me open all these predicted tabs. Well, yeah. In Utah, uh, the Republican. Yeah, because it's Utah. Right. You know, that's a weird one. You've got Mike Lee. Who's running? He's the incumbent. He's running against Evan McMullen, who is yeah. not the Democrat. Interesting. Yeah. Running as an independent. You said it was the first time that they had not had a, a Democrat. There is no Democrat running in the 2022 Utah Senate election because the Democratic Party there decided to endorse Evan McMullen, who's a never Trumper Republican who's running as an independent on a platform of like what? I don't know, decency and something right. or I mean, something. It's a, it's a weird thing. You've got Mike Lee, who actually endorsed Evan McMullen in 2016 because he was anti-Trump. Uh, and now Mike Lee is, you know, not he's into Trump. Um, you've right. got Mike Pence has endorsed um, Mike Lee and the entire Utah congressional um, group has endorsed him with the exception of Mitt Romney, mm. which is kind of awkward. The original ancient alien, Mitt Romney. And Evan McMullen is endorsed by the former RNC chairman, Michael Steele. Who people definitely care about outside of MSNBC booking green rooms. Right. And Howard Dean. So that'll help. Uh, so I don't even why we're even talking about that. That is not... Yeah, that's not happening. That's not happening. Arizona, Mark Kelly and Blake Masters had a debate. And I watched some clips of it. And Blake Masters is so creepy. Really? 
That guy, yeah. I mean, he just he has an Anthony Weiner vibe to me. His chiseled features. He has like a real cool looking face. But you're telling me he's creepy? No, he just comes across as just too intense. Hmm. I, I don't see. I mean, Mark Kelly is a nice guy. He's an astronaut. Right. He's a moderate. So you can't. You know, Blake Masters is attacking him like he's this crazy liberal, which he's not. It just. I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen for Blake Masters. Okay. Um, well, let's look at Predict It. On Predict It, the Arizona Senate election, who will who will win? Democrats trading at 61 cents, up one. Republican trading way down at 43. I assumed that would be closer. Well, I think Arizona and Pennsylvania are about the same in terms of where people think they are. Okay, I just did a Google search, a Google image search for Blake Masters, and he does sort of have an intense, he has an intense look. And as far as I can tell from this full page of Google image results, he only owns one suit. Is that possible? Yeah. And he definitely, he definitely looks like Anthony Weiner, who is a famously non-creepy, non-weird guy. So I guess this all, this all makes sense. Blake Masters. It's hard to beat an astronaut. Moving on. Now we have Florida. What's going on in Florida? Val Demings. She's soft on crime. Mm-hmm. But she's a former police chief, so that doesn't really make sense. But, uh, but yeah, Val Demings running against, uh, you know, our guy. Marco? Uh, yeah, Marco. Little Marco. Marco Rubio. And, yeah, he's going to kill her because... It's Florida is just gone. It's just gone. You know, when you look at like the density, when you look at U.S. states and like which state is the most dense, you know, people per square mile, it's just the states with density, lots of people per square mile. Those states are liberal, just all all, all, all the way down. North Carolina, I think, is like the 14th most dense state. So we're like right on the line. Uh, Florida is got like 450 people per square mile, 200 more than North Carolina. And yet it's just trending in the opposite direction. It's just, it doesn't, Florida does not make sense to me. Florida is a mystery to you. A little bit. I mean, I guess, I guess it's just, it's just older. And then you have this huge Cuban population in Miami, which- I can explain Florida's political orientation using two words, John. Ancient aliens, because you got all the ancient people who moved down there for retirement who are necessarily uh-huh. conservative. And then you've got conservative Cubans who were exiled from Castro's communist regime, and they're aliens, so to speak, if I can say that without being offensive. But you know what I mean. Those are two yeah. of the big voting blocks in Florida, ancient aliens. Pray on that. I will. The Floridians built the pyramids. Think on that, America. Think on that. Consider that. So there's no point in me buying shares of Val Demings beating Marco Rubio. Sounds like that's not no. going to happen. No. All right. Well, this is a bummer of a segment. Let's move on to Wisconsin. Surely something wonderful is happening in Wisconsin. No, I watched some clips of that debate. Ron Johnson versus Mandela Barnes. And I don't know. Is he a great candidate? I know nothing about him. I mean, he scored some points in their little debate the other day, but I, 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 I don't know. I'm not impressed. He just seems pretty young to me. He's 35 years old. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have the gravitas of a Ron Johnson. Oh boy. Here we go. Um which you know, it just feels like he is too young. They were as close as 3 cents apart on September 7th. And then Ron Johnson, it was trending it was trending Mandela Barnes's way until September 7th. When they were closer than they had ever been, and then something happened, and in the last month, it's just been Johnson up, up, up on the predicted trend line. What happened? Polling or unskewing of polling, you know, you know, our the real clear politics is is doing their own unskewing this time, where they're adding points to the GOP based on past prior. Uh, polls being off, which is kind of risky considering the polls are off every year. They're never perfect, but we just never know which direction they're going to be off. So real clear politics seems to be making the assumption 
that the polls are going to undercount Republicans again this time. So the Senate races that aren't North Carolina, Ohio, or Pennsylvania, we've got Republicans winning Utah. We've got Republicans winning Florida. We've got Republicans winning Wisconsin. We've also got Republicans winning Missouri, Republicans winning Iowa. There's no point in talking about those because those are all in the high 90s for Republicans. That's right. There is one state we should revisit that predicted says the Republican will win, but this is not as much of a blowout as some of the other states we've just discussed because this particular Ohio Republican is currently trading at 77 cents, not in the 90s, not in the 80s, in the high 70s. That's not good for the Democrat. But some people say there might be room for error here. This could be an upset. John, have you ever heard of J.D. Vance? Yes, yes. What's going on in the Ohio Senate race? Well, they've got a debate tonight. We're recording this on Monday night, October 10th. Tonight is the great Ohio Senate debate night. Do you think there'll be any mention of the billboard in the debate tonight? Hmm... No? I wonder someone will complain about the tone of this campaign and how inscrutable it's been. And um, is there a way that we can avoid the pitfalls of personal attacks and strange, strange ellipt- elliptical innuendos? I wonder if that will come up. <laughs> I know it comes up in some listener questions this week. We got a listener who wrote in and said, because I, I had posted pictures of the billboards on our Patreon Someone said, I hate to be so nitpicky, but on your J.D. Vance billboard above the family restaurant, there are too many dots in the ellipses. There are five dots. The ellipses only should have three dots. All your other billboards seem fine. Perhaps you can get your money back on that one. (laughs) Oh, my dear friend. Dear listener, do you really think that Kid Minus, the original Wave Rider, didn't deliberately redesign that billboard to mess with people's heads? To put in the unorthodox five-dot ellipses? And to change the font from Arial Black to Apple Chancery, the fanciest font known to humankind, I decided to have a little fun with the final two billboards from our J.D. Vance billboard buyout. And I did indeed change the phrase, you know why, to and you know why. I added that and, changed it to a bright red Apple Chancery instead of a black Arial font, and then decided to bring it home strong with not three, not four, but five dots in the ellipses. So thank you for your proofreading skills, and thank you for reaching out. I always love to hear about how to get money back from vendors, but the fact of the matter is, that five-dot ellipses was all me. Your boy, Kid Midas, the manifester, the original Billboard Ancient Alien. John, are you in any of these damn markets yet? What's going on? It's the midterms are coming up. You're sitting on all this yeah. money. You've got to invest <clears throat> in something. I'm buying into Ryan now. Oh. I am now, I'm now buying into Ryan because it's, yeah, he's like 22 cents, 21 cents. That's where that's where I'm buying in at this point. Uh, it, it's, it's a long shot, but I don't think it's this much of a long shot. Okay. Especially since the polling is showing something different than what everyone else thinks is going to happen. And what if the polling is correct? Or what if the polling is undercounting Democrats? Right, right. Then Ryan is going to win. Oh, listen to this analysis. I love this analysis. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying that that's what's happening. I'm just saying I think it's worth a five-time return, which is what you're going to be getting at 20 cents. So how many shares are you buying? Uh, I have 200 I have 100 shares right now and I have another 100 shares that I'm trying to buy. Okay. At what price? At 21 cents. He's at 23 now. No, 24 is the buy price. So I'm not that's too high for me. Oh my god. I think god. I think tonight there'll be some, you know, zingers and uh-huh. he'll drop and okay. I'll be buying in there. Vance is going to come out strong with some of his patented hillbilly zingers. Yeah. Ryan will take a beating. The share price will drop. And that's when right. and that's when Long John Silver will, will buy. That's right. Because J.D. Vance will come out and be like, you got so many patches on your overalls. Why, you look like a patchwork quilt. Classic hillbilly zinger. Okay. I wouldn't say Ryan lives in a... You got more broken cars in your front lawn... Then Michael Bay has Transformers movies in his movie franchise about Transformers, right? 
Yeah. Your dad's corn cob pipe is so raggedy, you ought to call it a corn cob junk pipe. <laughs> you know, this fan. I'm reading from this book that my dad has called A Thousand and One Hillbilly Zingers. You're, yeah. You know, it was like published in the 50s. Like if you're going to like a Kiwanis Club meeting or you have to speak right. at the Rotary Club, it's like Toast a Toastmasters book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hillbilly Toastmasters is actually the name of the book. Your, your. <laughs> I could see your dad giving this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Affecting a huge hillbilly accent. Uh huh. Your wife succotash is so. Your wife succotash has so few lima beans. They had to go to Peru to make sure the capital's name was spelled L-I-M-E. I mean, A. You, you know, see, you missed an opportunity there because there is a Lima, Ohio, but I think it's Lima. Oh, shoot. I'll do it again. Oh, and it's perfect for the debate tonight. Yeah. J.D. Vance will come out and be like, Tim Ryan knows Tim, Tim Ryan knows less. Is that a hillbilly accent? That's not really a hillbilly accent, is it? I don't know. Tim Ryan knows so little about the state of Ohio that he thinks Lima, Ohio is the type of bean that his wife's succotash is sorely lacking. Oh, no. It, it is Lima. I'm sorry. Tim Ryan knows so little about Ohio, he thinks the town of Lima in this state is the same thing as the bean that is sorely lacking in his wife's succotash. Hillbilly humdinger. That was one of my hillbilly humdingers. <laughs> Tim Ryan is so poor, he's never worked for a hedge fund founded by crypto-fascist Peter Thiel, unlike myself. Mm, authentic hillbilly. <laughs> Tim Ryan's rooster coop is so... <laughs> is that a thing, a hillbilly thing, a rooster a, coop? A rooster coop? What do you call it, a hen coop? What do you call the... You know when your friends uh, keep chickens? What do you call that, a coop, right? Yeah. Yeah, Tim, chicken coop, but Tim Ryan's coop. father-in-law's handsaw is so dull and rusted, it reminds me of the famous wrestler Dusty Rhodes. Uh, yeah. I'm depressed, I think. I think I'm depressed. Uh, I said, are the Democrats going to hold the Senate or what? I just bought into that yeah, market. Yeah, of, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, all right. Probably, all right. probably. John, there's a lot of political news out of Los Angeles. Nobody expected uh, this much drama and action coming out of L.A. No, I'm not talking about the latest blockbuster from David O. Russell or Olivia Wilde. I'm talking about leaked audio recordings of some city council members making disparaging remarks and some might say racially tinged or racist comments. Did you follow this story at all? This is big L.A. political news. I saw this on Twitter. Woo! And uh, I haven't heard the audio. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't. Yeah, that's pretty shocking stuff. Nuri Martinez, who's the um, city council president, is just going off on some of her fellow council members because they're talking about redistricting. And she thinks that uh, Latino constituents don't have enough power based on the way the districts are drawn. And then she goes off on um, this one uh, council member, Bonin, who has an adopted black child and how the kid was misbehaving on a parade float and how they were raising him as a white baby. And he, she would have taken him behind the shed and beat him up. And then she calls him a little monkey and stuff. It's like really intense. They're raising him like a little white kid, which I was like, this kid needs a beat down. Like, let me, let me take him around the corner and then I'll bring him back. Yeah. Ven it's back. a pinch. Something yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's the fourth black so anyways, getting back to Yeah. What's also interesting is there is this L.A. City Council member um, named Nitya Rahman who ran and unseated, um, actually, I think the former employer of an EPM listener, if I'm not misremembering, someone that we've talked about before on the podcast. I think they used to work for this guy who lost to Nitya, whose big thing was like tenant rights and supporting renters. Well, a lot of the more conservative Democratic members of the L.A. City Council really can't stand her. And they're talking on this audio recording about making sure that when they redraw the districts, that her district goes from being a majority renting district to a majority land, you know, landlord district, owner district, mm -hmm. because they'll vote her out. It's like, I mean, it's like you're just seeing the, you know, you're hearing the sausage being made. Well, there's certain people who don't merit like us rescuing them. 
your comadre. Right? I'm not arguing <laughs> about that. I know. Who's your She doesn't marry. Yeah. Right? But it's She's not our ally. She's not going to help us. Her district is not the district we can count on. You're saying that's the one to put in the blender and chop up left or right. But that's what they did. Yeah. Anyway, it's a big story. It doesn't really pertain to us. Because the only market unpredicted about L.A. is the one that we used to talk about earlier this year, which is the mayoral election, which I got out of months and months ago. I sold all my Karen Bass shares, but I decided to check in on it. And sure enough, Karen Bass is still holding steady at 79 cents over Rick Caruso's 24 cents. But we just wanted to mention this L.A. stuff because we know we have a lot of listeners in Hollywood because people are always sending us emails about how, oh, we want to option your um, we want to option your podcast. Uh, Michael Bay wants to make a new um, movie about podcasters. And so here's a million dollars to option your podcast. And we always turn them down because it's not really what we're about. We want to, I mean, we're definitely creatives and we definitely are storytellers, but we kind of want to create stuff on our own terms, you know, and we're not stuck to the podcast as being our story. Like John and I have other stories that we want to tell. We have a story about how the pyramids were built by ancient aliens. For one thing, we have a story about a guy whose father's uh, corn cob pipe is so ratty that it should be called a corn cob trash pipe. We feel like that story has legs and that could be a good, um, maybe project for Ron Howard to be attached was it to a that. Trash be... I thought it was a junk. Pipe. Oh, a junk pipe. Yeah. Well, the, the, the first movie in that franchise is called trash pipe. Okay. And the second movie in the franchise is called junk pipe. Uh, they're both okay. directed by Ron Howard and they both star, right. um, Pee Wee Herman as a hillbilly. Yeah. Uh, y'all ain't seen nothing yet. That's the tag. No, the tagline is y'all ain't smoked nothing yet. Check out Paul Paul's trash pipe. And then the second one is y'all ain't seen nothing yet again. Check out Paul Paul's junk pipe. Yeah. Anyway, that's the LA political news. Goodbye. Note. Minutes after John and David finished recording this episode, Martinez resigned as president of the Los Angeles City Council. She gained. John, ACC football update, go. Hey, ACC football, you know, unranked UNC, 4-1, and one, went down to Miami Gardens to play Miami, beat them 27-23, to 23, did everything they could to screw it up at the end, but UNC survived. It's their fourth win in a row against Miami. UNC is 15-11 and 11 all time against the University of Miami, the only team in the entire ACC that has a winning record against Miami. Clemson, that juggernaut, is 500 against Miami. NC State lost, uh, no, won, almost lost. They won against uh, Florida State. Uh, Wake Forest won. They crushed Army. Um, Clemson beat BC. Syracuse had a bye week. They are going to be taking on State next week. That is going to be a big game. I think Syracuse is going to beat NC State. So for all of our Syracuse fans out there, we are counting on you. Carolina goes to Wallace Wade Stadium, and Durham is going to take on Duke, uh, who lost to Georgia Tech this week, and Carolina is going to wipe Duke out. And, um, yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. And whoever Wake is playing, they're going to beat. Okay. This is Sats with your Gator football update. Oh, it's homecoming weekend in Gainesville, and the Gators beat Missouri. I brought the lunch. It was pizza and salad. I'm working on Sapsillian-style pizza. And Mom had ice cream and hot fudge. Go Gators. Thanks to everyone who wrote in about our latest Patreon episode, a celebration of minor league baseball team ballparks, names, and associated skylines. I asked in the course of that episode if anyone outside of North Carolina had ever heard of the designer Alexander Julian. And a couple of people wrote in. One said that if the Robert Altman movie, The Player, starring Tim Tim Robbins, he said that all the suiting in that movie was Alexander Julian, which kind of surprised me because I thought it would be Versace because I thought Versace suits were the ones that were all kind of like baggy and formless. Anyway, another you know something else on about Alexander Julian. What? Speaking of, we should have mentioned this. You know, he designed the Charlotte Hornets uh, uniforms and the UNC men's basketball team uniforms, but he also designed the stadium seating for the AAA Charlotte Knights Whoa, in 1990, really? back when they played in Fort Mill, South Carolina, in something called the Knights Castle, which was like one of the worst stadiums of all time. 
but he designed the seating for that stadium. Well, there you go. And we got this comment on the Discord. To David's question about whether anyone outside of North Carolina knows of Alexander Julian, of course, in the mid-1980s, his colors by Alexander Julian, I totally forgotten about that line. Yeah. His colors by Alexander Julian label was producing excellent button-down long-sleeve Oxfords and vibrant solids. They were a staple of my high school wardrobe. Seriously good shirts. So that's a that's a must have been a, a dapper dapper Discord listener to be rocking colors by Alexander Julian. Woo! AJ, that's what we called him in our family. AJ. Like AJ. We got an email from Jacqueline. This week's episode was great as usual. I feel really bad for and skeeved out by Satchel and the Dead Pig. Uh, right. I'm sorry that I could not play Satchel's entire 45-minute monologue about removing the carcass of that dead pig and the associated parking lot politics, but I thought I would just present a hint of it and let everybody else fill in the blanks. Dead pigs aside, I'm really writing to ask if you guys could talk a little bit more about canvassing. I did it once in Millerton, North Carolina in 2018, and I was one of the awkward canvassers that John derided a few weeks ago. This week's discussion about doorbell ringing versus knocking caught my attention because I recall having very sore knuckles at the end of my canvassing day. My takeaway from this one experience is that personal discomfort is foundational to canvassing, whether it's emotional, as in approaching a stranger's front door, or physical, as in thirst, hunger, being too hot, being too cold, needing to use the bathroom, having tender toddler-like knuckles, etc. With all this in mind, I was wondering if you have any tips for making it less uncomfortable for the canvasser and for the person opening their front door only to find an awkward stranger standing there. Also, if you could speak to the phenomenon, which I experienced multiple times, of one resident opening the door, usually the husband or heterosexual cis male partner, and refusing to let the resident you're actually there to speak to, usually the female partner, come to the door or responding on her behalf. How do you handle this situation? I suppose one just politely walks away, which I did. But in the moment, there's such a power struggle that it's really hard to not go on a diatribe where one threatens to leave the equivalent of Satchel's dead pig on the guy's doorstep. Anyway, I was a poll worker in 2020 inspired by your podcast. And this year, I'm thinking that I need to suck it up and do both canvassing and poll working as part of my tiny effort to save democracy. But I and perhaps others like myself who are as drained by canvassing and poll working as John is after a weekend of hurricane tracking could use a pep talk to help inspire us to take to the sidewalks of America's contested small cities and towns. Woo, Jacqueline. As it happens, I did my first canvassing of the 2022 election cycle this past weekend. On Saturday afternoon, I went over to the office of the Orange County Democrats and spent the afternoon canvassing for Sherry Beasley and for six Democratic judges. I had reached out to the Beasley campaign asking how I can volunteer, and I didn't hear anything back. And then John was like, you idiot. You goddamn idiot. You don't reach out to the Senate campaign. You go to the county party. What are you? What are you, some kind of ancient alien? I was like, you're right. You're right. So I reached out to the Orange County Dems, and sure enough, they were like, yeah, come canvas for us. Saturday afternoon, I went out, met with some other canvassers as we all got oriented and downloaded the new canvassing app onto our telephone and got our clipboards and pens and whatnot. I got to say, I was underwhelmed with the number of canvassers who were there on Saturday afternoon. Really? I assume this is the Orange County Democratic Party. It's going to be like 200 of us. There was like six of us. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this doesn't bode well. Anyway, I recorded a little audio diary of my afternoon canvassing. And Jacqueline, I'm going to send this one out to you. This next track goes out to Jacqueline. I'm not sure it answers all your questions, but I play it in the spirit of socially awkward and physically uncomfortable canvassing for the soul of American Democracy. Jacqueline, this one's for you. All right, this is Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider, driving to Dogwood Acres to canvas for Sherry Beasley on behalf of the Orange County, North Carolina Democratic Party. I'm out here alone, flying solo. Not my favorite situation when canvassing, I must be honest. I love to have a friend to talk to and joke with and keep our spirits up together, but John, unfortunately, has decided he's a hardcore Republican and doesn't want to help get out the vote. That means I'm on my own today. So I figured I would record a little audio diary and share my thoughts and experiences and hilarious jokes with the listeners, and then it's almost like we're canvassing together. 
this day's canvassing could be an exercise in the art of political persuasion. Now, fortunately, I majored in philosophy at Oberlin College, which is an extremely um, prestigious liberal arts college in Ohio. So actually, my rhetorical skills are, as they say, second to none. And I'm sure everyone I talk to today is just going to be absolutely delighted with what I have to say. All right, I'm done with my first batch of addresses. Canvas this this little area of dogwood acres. And you know what I forgot over the past two and a half years of pandemic? Uh, I am socially awkward and hate talking to strangers. So on the podcast, I was talking this big game like, yeah, I knock four times and then I ring the bell and then I kick the door down and then I knock on the door and then I ring the bell again and then I yell at a bullhorn for them to come out. I don't do any of that shit, man. I knock one time, the tiniest little knock, pray nobody comes to the door, mark them as not home and get the fuck out because I am not trying to talk to somebody I don't know. Um, I'm exaggerating, of course, for comic effect, which is in my nature as a hilarious person, but it is true that I do not go out of my way on a Saturday afternoon, no less, when a lot of people are out to lurk around knocking and knocking over and over again, especially just as I feared all these people had these newfangled video doorbells. So I ring the doorbell once and if nobody comes to the door in 2.5 seconds, I go to the app, I mark them as not home, and I move on to the next address. It's all about clearance. It's all about clearance. I just want to get through these addresses. Now, I have had some nice conversations with people who said, no need to bother us. Everyone in this family is strong, Dem. You don't have to come by again. Thank you for what you're doing. Those also feel good. Okay, back to the grind. I got some more addresses to do. Talk to you later. Bye. Had my first uh, negative interaction. This dude and his wife outside their house. Looked like they were mulching their yard or spreading gas, grass seed. As soon as I told him who I was and who I was representing, he said, go away. We have no interest. Of course, I immediately flew into a murderous rage, but uh, kept my cool. Thanked him for his time and moved on to my next address. That's it. I am done. I finished my list. Talked to one guy, came to the door, wearing a Metallica t-shirt. Threw him a little uh, reference there to his t-shirt. I thought we could bond over that. Yeah, that worked. This dude could not be more of an undecided voter. So I put him down as undecided, and I told him, this probably means someone is going to come visit you again. And he said that was fine. I said, can I leave you some literature? He said, yes, please. He said he likes to stay informed. So I feel all in all like I did okay. And the other thing I have to say is, thank God that's over. Canvassing is so stressful when you're by yourself. Anyway, that's it for canvassing for this week. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back at it next week. Next week will be easier because I think next week is when Get Out the Vote starts. So you're probably not going to be dealing with any surly Republicans who are watching their wife seed their lawns. You're mostly just helping people figure out how to vote, where to vote, when to vote, and if they need a ride to vote. And I know that's what John Kimball loves doing. You know John Kimball loves picking people up and giving them rides. Okay, bye-bye. Nick writes in, With the potential shutdown of Predicted on the horizon and the inevitable shift from this podcast to becoming the official source of all your ACC football, Skyline, Newt Gingrich interaction news, I thought I'd provide you with some fun content. Over Fourth of July weekend in 2009, a friend shared with me Newt Gingrich's personal cell phone number. I'm still a little unclear how he acquired it, but I believe an acquaintance of his started working for the former speaker in his post-Congress days and clearly had no qualms about sharing old Newt's contact info. I happily saved the number to my phone, and after working up enough liquid courage later that night, some friends and I decided to give the number a try. We all gathered around as I dialed. After several rings, the excitement in the room started to dissipate. Obviously, this wasn't Newt Gingrich's cell phone number, and on the off chance it actually was, there's no way the former Speaker of the House would pick up for an unknown Wisconsin number late into Sunday night over Fourth of July weekend. Then, an answer. 
that smug, self-important, quasi-professional, southern-accented voice, we all froze. This was undoubtedly Newt Gingrich. With a full afternoon and evening of drinking under my belt, it goes without saying that I was unprepared for this conversation and did not have any questions lined up. I panicked and settled on the topic of Sarah Palin, as she had just announced her resignation from the governor's office in Alaska. I asked Newt if he thought Palin was a good choice for McCain's running mate the previous year, and all he could offer up was something along the lines of, Sarah's a really great lady. With about a dozen hams working their way through my system and some newfound journalistic courage, I pressed him a bit more. Yeah, but was she a good pick to be vice president? After asking who I was and accepting I'm Nick and I just got to know as an answer, <laughs> he offered another non-ringing endorsement of Palin as a good person, but offered no support for her qualifications or temperament as McCain's running mate. After inquiring again on my identity and realizing that, oh, I'm just Nick, wasn't the response of anybody who he should be talking to, Newt hung up the phone and provided my friends and me a story we will tell for the rest of our lives. With this group of friends, it was always a good sign that a night of partying had reached its peak level when someone said, let's call Newt. After a few failed attempts over the years, we tried again in the fall of 2012. My buddy had just moved back from Alaska and had an Alaska area code. When we used his phone to send a text <laughs> reading, hey, it's Todd, we didn't expect a response. A few hours later, pretending to be Todd Palin, we were offering Newt talking points for his upcoming appearance on Face the Nation. Sadly, he stuck to his own script on CBS the next morning and made no mention of his chat with Todd Palin the previous day. Over the years, the Newt interactions have decreased significantly, and I'm not even sure the number works anymore. But we will always cherish these memories. Love the show, and shout out to Wisconsin fish biologist and fish weir expert, Max. I can't wait for the first episode of Build Bass Better. Man, oh man, Nit, Newt Gingrich's cell phone number. Woo! That's, wow. That's a story. That's a story. It's always nice to have somebody famous phone number or an experience like that. Like the time I called Mike Watt and I'd been trying for the longest time, we would just occasionally try to call him. And then I did it by myself. And then he answered the phone and I had to be like, um, hi, I'm a big fan. I'm from North Carolina and I'm in a band. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, are you this band? And I was like, no, no, I'm in a secret you. band. I can't tell you the name of my band. <laughs> banned because david won't allow it i think he said we're anonymous and he was like anonymous that's a cool name and you're like no we're uh, anonymous we're not allowed to say the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh that's pretty fun i think what happened is then, then your call ended and then you called me and said i just spoke to mike watt and i was like no way and then i called mike watt and was like did someone named john from north carolina just call you he was like uh-huh how are you i was like <laughs> i <laughs> Oh, uh, man. You know, I have uh, Congressman Paul Gosar's what? cell phone number. Yeah. How? I'm not going to say, but I have it, and I've had it for a while. And Paul Gosar uh, from yeah. Arizona? Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever want Isn't to Isn't he kind of a maniac? Me, uh, yeah. He's a total maniac. So we could call Paul Gosar if you'd like. That would be a good Patreon episode, prank calling Paul Gosar, because I used to be quite the prank caller back in sixth grade. In fact, I actually got in a little bit of trouble. Did you? For my amazing prank phone calls. Well, well, that's it for this week's episode of Election Profit Makers, a sprawling epic episode. I have a feeling this one might be kind of on the long side, so thanks for your patience. If you made it all the way to the end, congratulations to you. You have, in your own way, built a pyramid. I guess we could call you an ancient alien. We are firmly grounded here on planet Earth, the home of such visionaries as Kanye West, Elon Musk, and Donald Trump, as the GOP tweeted out this weekend, like a bunch of simps. 
let's let's just name the three biggest pieces of shit in America and hope we get some good engagement. Then Kanye West turns around and tweets, I'm declaring DEFCON 3 on all Jews. Well played, GOP. And yes, the pyramids were built for storing grain. Thank you very much. That's the one thing the GOP has ever gotten right. It was grain to be consumed by the Martians who stored it there. Martians love eating wheat and barley. Read your history. Watch the History Channel. Chariots of the Gods 2022. Election Profit Makers. You can send election prediction questions and all other stuff and nonsense to contact at electionprofitmakers.ancientaliens.yourbutt. Uh, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts because we'd like to get a few more listeners before the midterms hit. Speaking of uh, desires, we would appreciate it if you would support us on Patreon. We're going to try to do a live movie watch party later this month. That'll be one of the many uh, premium contents that you'll be entitled to if you support us at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers.farts. John, have a great time on the Outer Banks. I'll talk to you when you get back. All right. Listeners, keep your grain dry. Store it in a huge pyramid in Egypt. Goodbye. All right. Bye.